The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. If you'd like to find out more about us and how we strive to be a gospel-centered, city-focused church community, visit us at missiodei.org. We are beginning a new series called Work. This week we're going to look at God as a starter. Next week we're going to look at God as a sustainer. And then we're going to look at God as we struggle through uh, work, right? And so we'll look at those three aspects from Genesis. Uh, we'll be looking at the account in Genesis from chapter one. Today we'll look at chapter one. Next week we'll spend some time in Genesis chapter two. The next week we'll spend some time in Genesis three. And we really want to understand our work in relation to uh, being created in God's image, right? So being created in God's image. We understand that a creation account happens in Genesis. We're not gonna dive too deep down that path, um, but some of the text will, will teach us how the world was created. Uh, but really what we're gonna hone in on is work, the idea of work and how our work reflects the image of God. I think it'll be super practical. When we think of work, there are a couple different ways that we think about that. For those of us that enjoy our work, that's a, it's a, a joyful topic, right? We love talking about our work. We find life in our work. Uh, we find each new day is a brand new adventure. There's excitement, kind of like the girl in our video today, like standing over her alarm clock with enthusiasm. I don't remember the last time I woke up to my alarm clock, but I don't remember the last time I stood over the top of it with enthusiasm, ready to start the day, waiting for it to hit so I could turn it off. But uh, you get the idea, you enjoy it, it's life-giving, it brings uh, a joy to your heart, it's not a drain on your life. But for then, some of us, though, uh, our work is a bit monotonous. It is a bit uh, dreary, and it sucks the life out of us, right? It drains us, it doesn't fill, fill us up. Each new day is, is very mundane and difficult, there's no excitement. We wake up late, or we're running, we're always in a hurry, it's always chaos, and it doesn't bring any kind of peace to our lives. And so over the next three weeks, we're really gonna look at all those extremes and so many more emotions in between as we look at the first three chapters of Genesis and discover how our work is directly related to who God is and who we are as created people of God. And so if you would, take your Bibles. It will be on the screen. It is available in your app under that notes section that we just spent some time discussing. But we'll read Genesis chapter number one, verses one through three, and then we'll come back to um, a little bit later in our text, and we'll talk a, lot, a little bit about some of the stuff in between. So Genesis chapter number one, verse one. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is the word of the Lord. And God, I ask that you would use uh, your messenger to speak clearly your words that your Holy Spirit would accomplish in our hearts what you intended to accomplish today. First thing I wanna draw our attention to in our text this morning is God's work, God's work to create his creation. God worked to create his creation. If we look, if, you're, if you've got your Bibles open or your Bible app and you can quickly look, turn to Genesis chapter number two. So after he talks all throughout Genesis one of 
speaking things in existence. He says, there, uh, he, he says, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be uh, animals, there was animals. Let there be water, there was water. Let there be a heavens, there was a heavens. Let there be all these things, and it happened. And then God looked back, and he said it was good. Then he created man in his image. We'll get to that in just a moment. And he says it was very good, right? And then immediately Genesis chapter number two tells us, Verse one, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So I want us to understand primarily that God is the perfect example and image of what it means to be a starter. He worked to create his creation. It was a work, right? And I find that extremely interesting because the one person, God himself, who was control of all things, could literally choose any form of life, uh, any form of experience, any form of anything to speak everything into existence, and God chose to work. Work has always been such a part of God's design that he himself examples to his creation what it means to work. He did that differently than we can do that, but he still examples for us what it means to work. It's always been a part of his intent, his design for mankind. The difference between God and us is this. God created everything ex nihilo. Ex nihilo. What does that mean, right? It is a Latin a theological term that means out of nothing. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. So out of nothing, God worked to create everything, right? Before anything existed, to create anything with, God existed, right? So it's not even entirely uh, right to, to put it into terms of before, uh, before the universe existed, uh, there was God. It's like, yeah, that's kind of true, but God existed even before the thought of a universe existed because he was there. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's not like us in that regard, but we'll understand as we work through this how we image his, or how we bear his image and follow his example. God exists entirely independent of and without the restraints of time, matter, resources, and energy. Right? And so as we look in God's word and we understand God's creation, we see that God took nothing and God made everything, right? And that's beautiful. But in our limited understanding, even trying our absolute hardest, we cannot grasp this concept fully the way God intended us to grasp this concept fully. Why? Because we have zero ability to create from nothing and are fully dependent on the resources that have already been made available to us. Does that make sense? God created everything out of nothing with no resources at his disposal, only himself, and we are completely dependent on the resources that we have that have been made available to us. And so one easy way that that became tangible was we uh, are at the end of the school year and summer's been extremely restful, but this is like the first week where it's all this stuff you see gets taken back down and put up. And so over the summer, I wanted to spend a good amount of time trying to discover and dialoguing with some of our team members, what are the best ways that we can be more efficient, less time consuming, less energy consuming with our members 
team members and volunteers in taking uh, everything down, tearing down at the end of gathering and setting things up at the beginning of the gathering. And we had this idea, partly from the principal and partly from some of our team members, if we got a second shed, we could separate all the auditorium stuff, the, the band equipment, the speakers, all that into one shed, and we could put everything else into the other. And so we got the okay to do that, right? And so in that instant, I needed something and I would have loved to have been able to speak and make that happen like God did. Like, this is a need, God, would you put a shed up on the stage? It didn't happen like that, right? It would be really nice if it did, but what had to happen? I had to get online, I had to order it. Tanner and I picked, uh, got his truck he graciously used. We went and picked it up. We had to deliver it here. A couple guys had to come on uh, Thursday night this week and help me build it. And then Tiffany and I and Richard and some other people had to come in yesterday and, 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 and organize everything. Like it just didn't happen, right? We were able to create something, but we didn't create something out of nothing. We used the resources that were made available to us. So that's the primary difference in our creation and God's creation. Let us move through our text. Let's, let's turn our attentions back to our text. Genesis chapter number one, verse 26 through 29. And there's gonna be a couple things that we wanna uh, pull uh, ideas from out of this text. We'll read starting in verse 26. We'll read down through verse 29. Genesis chapter number one. The Bible says this. It says, and then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the sea, uh, over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. All right, and so we've seen that God worked to create his creation. Now we wanna look at in verse 29 specifically, God works to care for his creation. God works to care for his creation. And so we see that God did not just create us and then leave us hanging dependent on ourselves for long-term survival and human flourishing. No, in creation, God provided for what we need for the purpose of nourishment, for the purpose of survival, for the purpose of growth, and for the purpose of kingdom advancement. He's provided for that because he cares for his creation. In reality, though, God sustains everything. And so as we turn our attention to this idea of our work, our efforts, or our creativity, we must understand that our, at our very best, our very best creativity and all the ingenuity that we could find within our mind and in our body all finds its source in the creativity of God, right? Uh, Ecclesiastes tells us there's nothing new under the sun, so there's nothing that we immediately think of that God hadn't already made provision for. Right, and so you get this, uh, sometimes you get funny uh, questions from kids and some question you get from kids sometimes, did God create that in reference to cars or reference to houses or in reference to sky zone or whatever they find cool in the moment, did God create this? And it's like, yeah, in some ways God did. 
but how did he do that? That's what we really wanna discover that today because all of our creativity, all of our strength, all of our energy finds its source in God. Does that make sense? All right, in re- everything comes from him, everything is for him. Romans chapter number 11, verse 36 says this. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever, amen. And so that's the idea. We're not gonna spend a ton of time dialoguing about the reality that our best efforts at creativity, our best efforts at making something uh, are just a continuation of God's creativity, his design. And we're gonna look at that next week as we look at sustaining, cultivating, developing from the resources that God has given us. All right, next thing I want us to see is God works to commission his creation. God works to commission his creation. Verse 26 through 28. Verse 26 through 28, we see God commissioning his creation and making man in his image. Much like from the very beginning God worked, God's plan for mankind has always included work, right? Work isn't a curse of the fall. How we view work becomes uh, an effect of the curse of the fall. But no matter how much it seems like we have to endure until we return back to the paradise of the garden in our minds equating to no work, we must understand that work was a vital part of the paradise in the garden before sin radically changed everything. Right, we see that, right? God created man in his own image. He placed him in the garden. We'll look in more depth next week. We look and we, he was placed in the garden for the purpose of working. And so before sin came in and made work an abysmal task, work was a part of God's design. And not only was it a part of God's design, it was a joyful part of God's design, meant to bring glory to God and meant to bring joy to the souls of his people. And so we see that, uh, that it doesn't always work like that, right? We understand that sin has affected everything, including work, and so now work can seem difficult. And so we won't spend much time talking about that again today, because in the third week, we're gonna talk about sin's effects on our work and the struggle that happens in our heart and our homes and in our lives as a result of the sin that happened in the garden. But after God created everything, After God created everything, he brought order and light to disorder and darkness. But you and I can also look around and know that the world looks very different now than it did in the garden, doesn't it? Like we read about the garden, we read about all these things and like we look around in our world and we see that it's very different. Like if God brought order and God brought form and God brought light to all darkness and all disorder, and I think he did, because the scripture tells us that it does, why doesn't it look like that now? Why do we look around and, and it doesn't look like that? Sometimes for the, for the better, like sometimes for the better, like we now in 2018 compared to the garden have great things that they didn't have there that we get to enjoy like air conditioning, right? Like vehicles, we don't have to walk everywhere. We have shoes on our feet, we have rubber underneath our, our bodies and we can at 75 or 80 miles an hour drive down the road. It doesn't take us eight years to get across town. It takes us 30 minutes, right? That's a good advancement, a good provision, right? AC is amazing. 
other good things like uh, because we're Missio West, like things like Grater's ice cream, La Rose's pizza, Skyline chili, are all good provisions from a good God, right? And so someone had to create those things and that's what we're talking about. God gave us the resources, the energy, the wisdom to do things, but he also requires us and commissions us to cultivate and continue developing his good work. And so as we look around, we see the good things that are different from the garden, but we also see the bad things, don't we? We see sin and its effects on our body and effects on our relationships. We see evil and the way that it pervades across our society. We see injustice that we can't seem to find the answer to. And so all this is a result of God brought order, God brought light, but it didn't just end there. So while all things were created by God and all things are sustained by God, God left and still leaves a pretty blank canvas, does he not? And he left his image on every human being and in his goodness has equipped humanity with the means, the resources, and the ingenuity to create to continue making life better, to continue doing things that both bring glory to God and flourishing to society. And that's what he's left us to do. What God has created isn't in its final form. He creates in order to commission his creation to continue the cultivation and the development of his creation. And in that we find a primary way in which we as God's image bearers reflect his image. It's an attribute of God, his work, his creativity that is communicable, right? And what does communicable mean? Communicable means this. A communicable attribute or attributes are those attributes of God that he does share with his creation. Right? There's some things about God that we can't even begin to relate to. Those are called his incommunicable attributes. But he has communicable attributes that we can relate to on a number of fronts. Not as, and not as perfectly as God, not as much as God. Like We still have bound by limits of, of time and energy and resources in our creativity, in our work that he is not bound to. But we share in that work. And our work begin, then becomes a reflection of the goodness of God, because God designed work. God created us. God gave us gifts and gave us energy and gave us resources to continue the development of his creation. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with me? We could summarize it by this. Each of us were created by the creator to create for the glory of God and the good of all creation. That's a lot, so I'll say it again. And believe me, before I got like chastised a little bit, for having more, there was way more C's in there that were all derivatives of creativity, so I, I spared you, all right? Each of us were created to cre by the creator to create for the glory of God and the flourishing of all creation, right? Some of us are extremely hardworking, and we use our gifts, we use our talent, we use our energy to create lots of things, but we do so for our glory and not ultimately for God's glory. We, we feel the effects of that fall and we feel the effects of sin on our life and so some of us can abuse work. We use people for the sake of work. Instead of using our life's work and our creativity for the building of, up, of people, we use people for the building up of ourselves and in some ways we manipulate and we use and ultimately 
hurt people for our own advancement, for our own prosperity, for our own betterment. Some of us neglect primary responsibilities for the sake of creativity and work. These are our overworkers. This is the category that I inevitably fall in every time we talk about this topic because I can get carried away with my work to the, so much to the neglect of primary responsibilities that even come before my work, even as a pastor. Right, and I know I'm not alone in that. We get so buried deep into our work because we're passionate about it. It excites us. It brings us life that it causes us to neglect other responsibilities. As a parent, as a husband, we neglect our families. We neglect our relationship with Jesus and sometimes our connection and being a part of the church. If I had like, if I had even $5 for every time somebody was just desperate for work, desperate for work, and me as the pastor or the church as a whole was rallying around that person trying to find them meaningful employment, and the minute they get that blessing of meaningful employment, they dive so far into it that church becomes an afterthought. Church becomes something they're completely disconnected from. They don't darken the door on Sunday, which is not nearly as important as darkening the door Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, in constant and connection within community. They walk away all from, from all that because of work. And that's, that's out of order. Because God wants us to work, but he wants us to work and put work in a primary responsibility role. Others of us compartmentalize our lives. We separate the sacred from the secular. Separating our faith from our work as if God is not the author and completer of both. God wrote our faith, established our faith in Jesus and gives us our faith through the power of the Holy Spirit, but he also gives us work. And so those two things, the sacred, our, our church life, our relationship with Jesus and our secular, our work life, do not fight in opposition of one another. They were both created by the same God for the same purpose to bring glory to him and bring joy to all of our souls. But when we get those out of whack, we don't find joy in our work and we don't find joy in his church. We don't find joy in our relationships. And so it's important that we understand that both the sacred and secular are beautiful gifts from God that shouldn't be separated or compartmentalized. So others of us refuse to believe that we have anything to offer to the world in terms of creativity, right? And if you spend any time in our office or you've spent any time around me, I'm, rel I'm quickly going to say that I'm not a very creative person. Albeit, even though I got chastised for my creativity in my statement, I felt like it was a pretty good work of the use of words and was extremely creative. So if anything, I'm creative at words, right? Either way, some of us use that excuse, right? We're not creative people. We're not hardworking people. We have limitations. We have uh, things that hold us back from doing all that we could do, so we do nothing, right? And because of this, we grow lazy, we, our lives are full of excuses uh, as to why we can't create anything to contribute to the flourishing of God's kingdom. And, and to do so is really a denial of the fact that you are an image bearer of a creative God and the creativity that he's given you, the mind that he's given you, the resources that he's given you, the talents and the gifts that he's given you is to be used to further advance and flourish the creation that he's established. Or worse, some of us, even through our sin, may continue to uh, intentionally destroy God's creation as we uh, are careless, as we are destructive, and as we operate in reckless behaviors. 
We refuse to use our energy, to our talents, and our gifts in a way that bears God's image, brings glory to him, and that is for the good of all creation. And so while we didn't plumb the depths of man's depravity and the, 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 the curse that comes as a result of the fall that uh, has implications on our work, we see very quickly how sin affects the way that we view our work, the way that we use our work, the way that we understand our work. And the call of the gospel is a call back to work as God's intended. But as I said before, God doesn't just leave us hanging. He gives us what's necessary. And in Jesus, he's given us what is necessary because Jesus is at work to redeem and to restore all that has been destroyed by our sin. Jesus is at work to redeem and to restore all that has been destroyed by our sin, right? Jesus is at work, he's redeeming, he's restoring all that has been destroyed in our sin. We see that Jesus is the creator of all that we see, right? So he created all that he sees because we said in Genesis 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image. Jesus was seated next to his father as he created the world. It was a collaborative effort of all parts of the Godhead coming through and creating all that we see today. Colossians chapter number one, verse 16 tells us that says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, right? And then we see also in Revelations chapter number 21, verse five, that Jesus is not only the creator of all that we see, Jesus is the recreator of all that is still to come. Jesus is recreating all that is still to come. Revelation 21 verse 5 says, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so we see both the creativity of Jesus, the recreativity of Jesus in making all things new, this process that he's going through, through the work of his people, this timeline and this hope that we have as a result of that. And by faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, our destruction is exchanged for his redemption. Right, Our death is exchanged for his life and our sin is exchanged for his righteousness and our corruption of even such a good thing at work is traded for his glorious perfection. Through Jesus, the debt of our sin has been canceled. The reality of life as we know it has renewed purpose and we have his promise that all he is creating will be recreated and will last for an eternity for his glory and for the joy of his people. Right, we have that promise. And so we see in Jesus, uh, as, as, as part of our gospel conviction section this morning, that Jesus is rebuilding what is destroyed. Jesus is repairing what is broken and Jesus is reviving what is lost. Not only in what we examine in the world as broken, not only as we examine in the world what is lost, not only as we examine uh, from our perspective around the world what is destroyed, what is broken and what is lost. We look at the very sin in our life and we have this promise that Jesus is rebuilding 
what is destroyed by our sin, by my sin, by your sin. He's repairing what is broken that happens not as a result of just the sins of the whole world, but as a result of what I've broken because of my sin and what I've lost as a result of my sin. We have a glorious and beautiful promise founded in the finished work, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, so, that, so much so that our creativity isn't of supreme importance, our abilities aren't of supreme importance, there's no work we can do to justify ourselves, there's no uh, a timeline that we can endure in to earn any salvation or earn any growth. We come by faith in the finished work of Jesus for the source of our creativity, for the recreation of our, uh, the things that we destroy through our sin. And Jesus is our only hope for any of that. We must understand that. And as we understand that, what does it look like to be a people that reflect God's image as God's intention, even after we messed it up and Jesus has redeemed and is ultimately restoring us back to God's original intention? I've just got two things each week, there'll be different layers of practicality that we can take and apply to our lives. This week, I think it's important just to get our mind and our hearts right as we dig in over the next couple weeks. First way we can practice this is create for the purpose, create for the flourishing of God's creation. Create for the flourishing of God's creation. In Genesis Chapter number one, verse two, we see that the world is dark, the world is formless, and the world is void. Then God brings light. He brings light, he creates life, and he brings order. He fills the world with his goodness, his dominion blesses the world, and in doing this, he is giving a people an example and an expressed image to understand and to follow. And so it's important for us to understand in light of God's bringing darkness or bringing light to darkness, bringing uh, form to formlessness and bringing matter and order out of a void. Your work, your work is an opportunity to image God by bringing goodness, bringing order, bringing light and life to others, Right? That's, that's what it is. We're a reflection of all that God has done. If God has brought order, if God has brought life, if God has brought light to others, we've been commanded to do the same. And so are you using your time, your energy, your talents, and even your attitude towards your work to do this? Something to think on. I hope over the next week you really reflect on that as we prepare, even for next week's gathering. The mandate is in creation to use all the gifts, all the energy, all the ingenuity that God has blessed you with to work and create in a way that brings glory to God and betters humanity, not brings glory to ourselves and only betters ourselves. And so to do that, we must be a people who take risk because our security is not found in our paychecks or our position. Our security is found in Christ who has given us those things. We leverage resources. And so we give, maybe sometimes even when it hurts, to other people that need resources to carry on their creativity. 
We cast vision for what could be because of the things that God has placed in our hearts. And then we work to follow through on the passions that God has given each and every one of us and the purposes in which he's created us for, right? When we're looking at our work as a reflection in God, it, it matters more what we do. Is what we do a means to an end and is that means to glorify God or is that means to glorify ourselves, right? Next thing we can do is we can celebrate the work that flourishes God's creation. We celebrate the work that flourishes God's creation. God's blessing enables people to come into all the formless and all the void parts of life and bring goodness to it. This goodness should be celebrated by all. And when we do that, we begin to see that real joy is found in work, particularly the work in glorifying God and serving others. We should stop and enjoy and celebrate the different and unique blessings that others bring to our lives through their work. Blue collar, white collar, service jobs, all this is work that can and should glorify God and benefit God's creation. And because of that, it should be celebrated. Even the most mundane work in our society has value, tremendous value, because it puts on display God's work and creativity, right? And so we understand the blue collar work of of brick masons and carpentry and electric uh, electricians can bring glory to God and flourishing to God's creation as they build homes or build facilities that will house people where God can be worshiped, strangers can be welcomed, and friendships can be made, all to the glory of God. The teacher, the daycare worker, the parent teaching their children inside of their home can bring glory to God and flourishing to God's creation as they teach them of God and they teach young minds to dream big and educate them in a way to be able to follow their dreams. The engineer can bring glory to God and flourishing to God's creation as they invent products, design roadways, and build machinery that makes life more enjoyable and less over. Overwhelming. Then even the waitress, the waiter, or the barista can bring glory to God as they extend hospitality to those that they serve and shine a little bit of light into a vast variety of circumstances. See, our work is a reflection of God's image. And so when we're doing meaningful things to put on display for God's glory, we should celebrate that in our lives and celebrate that in the lives of others. And what I don't want you to hear is use your work. Okay, let me step back. Don't want you to hear that your only value as a Christian in your work is evangelizing your coworkers. That's important. But even beyond that, the very nature of the work that you do is valuable because of the way it displays God's glory. And it brings joy to his people through things that make humanity flourish, right? All work is meaningful. All work should be celebrated because it images God. It images character. It reflects his design and intentionality in creating a creation who will create for the glory of God and the joy of all people. I wanna invite the band back up 
this morning, and I want to make, uh, as they begin making preparations for our time of worshipful and meaningful response this morning, as we change towards response, I want to just teach you three ways, remind you uh, three ways that you respond when we we at Missio believe that when the gospel is proclaimed as it was today, that Jesus Christ is our substitute, exchanging our righteous, our filthiness for his righteousness. As the gospel is proclaimed, it stirs up a response within us. And we've prepared three ways for you to respond this morning. The first is through prayer. There will be a prayer team member on my right and on my left this morning that is willing and ready uh, to pray with you. They'd love to hear your burdens. They'd love to take them before the Father with you and on your behalf. As we think, whether you pray in your seat or you pray with one of our prayer team members, uh, just think about the ways in which work has become something for you that God never intended it to become. The way in which you're using your energy and your creativity to leverage glory for yourself and not for him. Repent of that. Ask him to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to take that from you. Invite you to pray this morning. Invite you to give. Ask a question like this. In what ways has the toil of your labor led you to hold out, to hold on to things as if they are yours without being obedient to give back to God what is rightfully his? Because as I work to earn my money, it immediately becomes mine with no variance to be obedient to what God said and to understand how I handle and I give and I keep my money is really a reflection of my heart and my relationship with Jesus. So we invite you this morning to give worshipfully, declaring that Jesus rules your life and your things do not. And then communion this morning on the table. Communion has been prepared. There's bread on the plates. There's uh, wine for dipping in the bowls, wine for drinking in the chalice. It's important for us to understand that we can work from our rest or we can rest from our work. And I invite you today to work from the rest that you've already been given because of the finished work of Jesus. As we come today, may we find our identity, may we find renewed strength, and may we find a, 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 a more clear sense of security in Christ and in Christ alone. We invite you to come to the table in faith, believing the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus as your salvation, as spiritual nourishment, and the source of strength for your spiritual growth in Christ. If you're not coming like that, we ask that you would just not participate. You're welcome. We love you. You're welcome to participate in every other aspect of our gathering, but this is a, a, a sacred event that's for those people that are believing and trusting in Jesus for those things. Before I, the band continues leading us in singing through the gospel and uh, you have time to respond as the Lord has led you, I wanna invite you to participate in a corporate confession. This is where we as a people come together, uh, recognize our sinfulness and our inconsistencies and our need for Jesus and declare that with the body. And so I invite you to participate with me by reading the underlined portions. Lord, we have sought our own good over the good of others, have mercy on us. We have worked to protect our image instead of reflecting yours, have mercy on us. We have worked for the flourishing of our kingdom instead of yours. We plead forgiveness on the merits of Christ's finished work. 
Father, we thank you so much for the truths of your word. We thank you so much for your beautiful creation and the way that in Jesus, you're recreating everything, including ourselves. Even as I examine the, the process and the growth of sanctification in my life, man, I'm not 100% happy with the way things happen and the sinfulness of my heart, but I'm eternally grateful that my heart is not nearly as sinful as it was 10 years ago. That's evidence of your hand and evidence of your work in recreating even me. So we're thankful for the gospel, the power contained within it. Pray that we'd be mindful of it, we'd be reminded of it, we'd be convicted to repentance and faith in you this morning. Help us to respond as we feel led. Amen.